comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, starting in the 19th verse. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, is in, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to the span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of this word today. Amen. So you know how we said um, whatever happens in church happens in church, and um, for those of you who have littles know that it is sometimes hard to bring your littles and then get anything out of church. Sometimes, yes. I'm Okay, I'm glad. I'm not alone, because like today is one of those days in our family. But can I tell you a story from when I was little, and I was that little in church that made my parents' existence in church interesting? Yes, sure, Pastor Anna, tell us. Are you awake? You're alive? Okay, so um, I grew up in the church. I, um, my parents raised my brother and I in the church, and um, maybe unsurprisingly, if you've ever met my daughter, I was a little bit of a precarious kid myself, and I now understand the stress level that children's moments brought for my parents, because uh, they never knew what I was going to say, because that's a thing. So... Um, my parents obviously both chose to raise us in the church, but for some reason, my dad was like the spiritual enigma, the, the leader to me, the person that I looked up to the most. So um, one day in children's message, we were talking about what it meant to be a Christian. And uh, mind you, my mom was sitting, uh, you know, about where Matt and Mandy are sitting, I imagine. My dad was singing in the choir, so they were sitting separately. Um, but... But uh, whoever was giving the children's message that day, um, so who do you know that's a Christian? 
And I, without missing a beat, said, well, my dad's a Christian. And my mom just sat there and stared. I was like, well, what about me? But, you know, my, my dad, I think the reason that my dad was one of my spiritual giants is because he, he was a long-range truck driver and he wasn't home very often to us. And so church was the time that I got to spend with him. You know, one of the reasons that I'm a coffee person is because I would wake up early on Sunday mornings to have coffee with my dad because that was the only time the two of us got to be together. But one of the things that fascinated me because of who he was was um, his big Bible. Now, because he was out on the road truck driving, he would take the small Bible with him in the truck, but he would leave his big Bible at home. That's how we knew them, the big Bible and the small Bible. And um, when he would leave for the week, he would close the top on the roll-top desk, and I remember like hearing in my sleep when the roll-top would snap at the bottom. That's how I knew that Dad was getting ready to leave for the week. Like That sound to me was like, Dad's heading out because the desk was closed. But during the week, while my mom was downstairs grading papers, I would sneak upstairs and I would try to quietly open the roll top desk because I wanted to look at my dad's big Bible. Now, you might think, well, of course, she turned out to be a pastor. She was like sneaking into her dad's uh, study to read his Bible. It wasn't probably for the reason you'd think, though. My dad's big Bible was a red letter Bible. Did anybody have a red letter Bible? Does anybody still have a red letter Bible? Yeah, there are a couple. I was fascinated by the typeset, like the colors, the way that it looked on the page. It was so fascinating to me. And in my head, it created almost like one of those little storybooks that you, you have read to you, and then it has a little chime when it's time to turn the page. It's like I could hear Jesus' voice, and I heard, you know, in my world it sounded like James Earl Jones in the black print um, in the rest of the Bible, because he does narrate one of the Bibles on Audible. You should check it out. But I love the drama of it all. As an early reader and somebody who loved books, I just love my dad's red letter Bible for how it let me live into the story of the Bible. And I think that those red letter Bibles are one of many reasons that people are captivated by what Jesus actually said. What were the words that Jesus spoke? And we would be naive to think that the Bible, the red letter Bible in particular, is a transcript of Jesus' entire life. But it's an interesting beginning place to look at what Jesus' public life and ministry was focused on. Now there are some common statistics that you can cite that say things like 11 of the 39 parables of Jesus talk about money. Or that one of every seven verses that are Jesus, Jesus saying verses, one of out of every seven of those talk about money. Now, it's our responsibility to look at the context of those teachings to tell us whether Jesus was actually talking about money or material wealth, or if he was using it as an illustration to point to a larger point. Even in the time of Jesus, people understood money. And it is unarguable that Jesus used what people knew in order to teach them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not some nebulous reference to life after death. Think about it in the context of the Lord's Prayer that we pray all of the time. We say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We pray for, and indeed we are called to work towards bringing that reality, that rule, that way of relating each other into this life. So then when we hear the Gospel of Matthew say that we are to store up treasures in heaven, we could think of those as the treasures of heaven. Store up the treasures of heaven. Things like one commentator writes, like justice, the opportunity for everyone to be productive, provision for everyone's needs, respect for the dignity of every person. Storing up our treasures in heaven means that we do better for ourselves and our faith to invest our money in things that work to bring about God's will than in securities that protect our accumulated surplus. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad or wrong to have a strong retirement portfolio, and it is really complicated to say that we should just forsake all of our material things, but when we read this passage, we have to remember that it is one of many that are talking about wealth and providing for those who are depending on us. Other passages talk about planning and spending and saving, Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth hastily gained will dwindle, but those who gather little by little will increase it. And later in that same chapter, we read, The good leave an inheritance to their children's children. And in Genesis 41, God guides Joseph to store up food for seven years before a famine. It is not inherently bad or unchristian to be saving or to be accumulating a bit of wealth. But today's gospel lesson gives us the key. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've heard it encouraged to think about this phrase in the other direction. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Money changes people. Jesus knew this. Jesus is not saying here that you tend to put your money into things that matter to you, but instead that the possessions you own will change you so that you care more about them than other things. Perhaps this is why when Jesus was inviting people to follow him, one of the first things he said to them was, sell all of your possessions. It's like Jesus is saying, choose carefully then what you own, because what you own you will value, and what you value you will protect, perhaps even to the detriment of all else. A commentary collective called The Theology of Work calls this the treasure principle. This means that treasure transforms. Those who invest their deepest treasure in the things of this world will find, as verse 24 from today's gospel lesson reads, that they are no longer serving God, but are in fact serving their money. That can lead to anxiety coming from all of the uncertainties of money. Things like, will it be eroded by inflation? Will the stock market crash? Will the bonds default? Will the bank fail? Can I be sure that what I've saved will be enough to handle anything that could possibly happen? Will I ever pay off my student loans? <laughs> How then should we relate to our material things and the accumulation of resources? If we are anxious in our attention to money, we are foolish. If we let our resources displace our trust in God, then we are becoming unfaithful. If we pay excessive attention to money, we will become greedy. If we acquire it at the expense of other people, 
we are then becoming the kind of oppressor against whom God's kingdom is pitched. But I know what you might be thinking, but Pastor Anna, you're not actually telling us anything about how we should figure out how to relate to money. Well, remember, you heard it as when Pastor Brian read the gospel. Strive first for the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, I truly hope that you can join us at tonight's Envision Linworth event to hear about the ways that we at Linworth have prioritized the pursuit of God's heart for us as a community. This congregation was formed by people who had enough faith to take out second mortgages on their home to build the building. And I remember seeing on social media, even before I was appointed to serve as the senior pastor here, the day that the mortgage on this building was burned. Our finance team has been working on investment policies to make sure that we are investing in alignment with our faithful values. But we also have to talk about some other realities. Our leadership believe firmly that throughout the pandemic, it was important to not only maintain our staffing and ministries, but to continue pressing forward with momentum. While so many other churches were forced to shutter or to make large programming and staffing cuts, we were grateful to have retained earnings in this congregation from which to draw to bolster the giving that continued throughout the pandemic. But our leadership believes that the days of drawing on that savings, as you might understand it, are drawing to a close. And we believe in the treasures that we have identified, which are Jesus-centered pursuit of inclusive community, evolving faith, authentic relationships, and global justice. It takes resources certainly to be a church community, but we believe that our resources are being faithfully stewarded. We are in a season of new and exciting energy, and we have seen signs of that new energy in giving. I hope you saw it in the letter was sent this week, but if you didn't receive that letter, let one of the pastors know and we can get it to you. But one of the most exciting statistics that I've seen of our church community was that over the last year, we are at over 99% of receipt of pledged income. So what that means is of everybody last year who who said, I'm going to give this much money in the year 2023, we are on track to receive almost 100% of that giving. That means that for anyone who had a life circumstance change where you didn't meet your anticipated giving, which is fine because life impacts us, what that means is that others gave a bit more to cover those things. It means that people here believe in the ways that God is working in and through this congregation. People are spending the resources to make sure that God's love is known through this community. And I have seen it. I have seen it this week in particular. I've seen it as I've seen the coat rack filling up. I think last week we had one coat on that rack out there. Uh, but now the coat rack is filling up so that our, our neighbors that are served through new life aren't going to be cold in this season. I've seen it in the hallways full of children throughout the week at LCC. There is never a quiet moment in this building. 
I've seen it on Friday uh, in the late afternoon as the bus and caravan full of youth and their leaders headed out on their youth retreat. I've seen it as volunteers come and spend time in the office. I've seen it in too many places for me to name myself. And so I'm going to encourage us right now, think about the ways that you have seen God moving in this congregation. Because I'm asking, and it's not rhetorical. I want to hear, what are the ways that you have seen God moving in this congregation? Somebody's got to be the icebreaker, yeah. Our new members, yes, that is a sign of God's movement in this congregation. And the baptisms, yes, thank you. Who else? You don't have to stand, just shout. I'll repeat it, sir. In our small groups, yeah. In our children's choir, yes. In all of our music, yes. So what else? The fellowship of the garage sale. Yeah. Who else? There's got to be more. First service out, did ya? In the friendliness of people within our building. Yes, absolutely. What else? The excitement around our new vision. Yes, tonight will be a great night. Yeah. The support of the pastors, thank you, and yes, we get to receive that support from you guys too, so it's not a one-way street. What else? VBS, yes, VBS, indeed. And our VBS, um, not only the way that our church community engages in VBS, but the way that LCC engages in VBS too, and the fact that um, it, this building is just amazingly full of life, VBS week. Yeah. Any others? Yeah, being nourished at the table of Holy Communion. Yeah. Choices. Uh, choices, the way we support our partners in ministry who are helping people escape from domestic violence and unsafe home situations. Yeah. Any others? Yeah, the support of Beloved UMC, uh, which is, for those of you who are first-time uh, Guests in our congregation, Beloved UMC was the first United Methodist congregation chartered in a place where uh, another United Methodist church had disaffiliated. So Pastor Sarah, who was appointed here, is the lead pastor out at Beloved. Yeah. Any others? The, yes, our, our commitment to inclusivity. Yeah, thank you. So as our band is going to come and lead us in our closing song, I just invite us in this season to think about our attitudes towards participation in this place. This is not an invitation to put our money where our mouth is. That's not what this is about. This is instead an invitation to put our treasure where our heart is. Or to even be so bold as to put that in reverse and to put our heart where our treasure is because I know that we treasure the way that God speaks to us in and through this congregation, and we are blessed to receive God's love in that way. So I invite you now to stand as you're able and join us in this morning's closing.